Hey, well, good morning, everyone. So happy you're joining us for Church at Home today. Uh, I'd like to open this message with an excerpt from John chapter 16. This is a passage many of you already know, but don't tune out, don't check out, uh, because this passage really helps bring perspective and focus to the message you'll hear in just a moment. So again, this is John 16, the words of Jesus, starting in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And this is the end. Verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray as we begin. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this encouragement, for this challenge. We ask that you would just open our eyes to see all that you have for us today. God, we're so grateful to be your church. We're so grateful as we look forward to Holy Week and your resurrection, crucifixion and resurrection. God, we ask that you would just let that that lay heavy on us as you think about how we are to live with faith and obedience. So Jesus, in your name that we pray, the name above all names, and we all said, amen. Well, welcome home once again, church Church at home, I am thrilled you decided to join us today. If you don't know me, my name is David, and I am the lead pastor here at Community Life, fired up about the word that God has for you today from the scriptures. Um, Hey, just a quick heads up, make sure you stick around to the very end of the service. Uh, We have some important announcements, just some clarity of what's going on as we uh, plan for our uh, return to in-person services. So again, make sure you hang out for those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get started. Uh, We are in week six of our extended study from the book of Philippians. If you have your Bibles open up, today we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Also, if you're taking notes, I'd like to call this message, A Tree and Its Fruit. A Tree and Its Fruit. A Tree and Its Fruit. So, when we first moved to California... So it was December of 2019. Um, apart from the unbelievable mountain views and uh, the beautiful moderate temperatures, especially in winter, and the insane traffic on the five, the one thing that really surprised me the most was the sheer number of fruit trees. Now, some of you might be thinking, why is this surprising? Why is this a big deal? Well, you have to remember coming from the Midwest, there are only a few trees that can survive the cold, and if they do, they only produce fruit seasonally. So coming here, coming here, it was this massive change. And I, and I remember um, when we first went to look at our house, just up Lowell off Foothill, um, in our backyard overlooking the Verdugo, the majestic Verdugo Mountains and the very delicious In-N-Out, um, we found three different fruit trees. Yes, three different fruit trees in our own backyard. There was a fig tree, a pomegranate tree, and a lime tree. 
not to mention the orange tree that kind of crept over our neighbor's fence. And so, and so we're sitting there looking at this house thinking, this is absolutely incredible. We looked at all these trees, the fig tree, right? It had these like skinny, sprawling branches and it, and it grew figs, obviously. The pomegranate tree had these little spikes to protect the produce, the pomegranates and the lime tree. Uh, it had this robust trunk to help carry the weight of all the limes it made. And now you might be thinking, David, this is pretty basic stuff. But for us, for us, it was amazing to see and to recognize how God made these trees. How God made these trees unique and different. How the root structure and branch size supported the fruit, but also ultimately determined what fruit would grow. Because a tree determines its fruit. It's not the other way around. The fruit doesn't make the tree. The tree makes the fruit. There's the title again, a tree and its fruit. Now, okay, to bring it all back around because we are in church, church at home after all. Here's where I'm going with this. In the same way that a lime tree can't make figs and a pomegranate tree can't make oranges. Like we just heard in John 16, the fruit that we bear as people is a direct result of the vine that we are attached to. The vine that gives us nutrition and direction and purpose and life. The fruit of our lives grows from the tree that we are rooted in. And I need you to understand the reality is that we all grow something. And we are not seasonal growing. We are all growing things all the time. You and me, we all produce produce of some kind. And so the one question, as we look to this passage in Philippians 2, and as we reflect back on John 16, the one question I want you to be thinking about is simply what fruit is your life growing? What is the output of your life? Because as Christians, we are called, right, to live faithful in response to God's faithfulness. Amen. A tree and its fruit. As Christians, what we now make with our lives is supposed to be different than what we made before knowing Christ. The fruit of our lives is intended to be unique to the vine of Christ. We are not supposed to be showing the same results as the world, but instead reflecting the fruit of the Spirit's work in our hearts. So the question remains the same one more time. What fruit is your life growing? What is the fruit of your life? That's where our passage picks up today. From Philippians chapter 2, as the Apostle Paul, he talks about the fruit that must grow in response to God's goodness. Check this out, starting in verse 12. It says this. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Here we go. Work hard to show the results of your salvation or the fruit of your faith. Work hard, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you with his Holy Spirit, giving you the desire 
and the power to do what pleases him. Now, okay, stop there real quick. What is Paul getting at here? Paul is saying, essentially, he's saying that if you are saved, if you have been brought from death to life by the saving work of Jesus Christ, if the Holy Spirit of God resides in your heart, bringing peace to the storm in your soul, if that's you, Paul is saying, then your life better reflect it. Your life better reflect it. Your fruit better reveal the vine of Christ. When the world sees you, and the world is looking, when the world sees you, they better see that more than anything else, the results of your salvation, they better see that God made a change in your life. And listen, you, you should know that this reflection, this result, this revelation is not easy. It's not easy for you or me or the Philippians or even Paul, which is why he says these two vital things in verse 12 and verse 13. Really important for us to recognize. It's not easy. None of this is easy. And so he says this. He acknowledges first that it's not easy to grow good fruit, so you better be ready to work hard. That's verse 12. This isn't easy, so you better be ready for hard work. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, you better work hard. That's the first thing. Second, because it's not easy, Paul, he reminds us that we're never alone in it. It's not easy. We're responsible to work hard, but Paul reminds us that we aren't alone in the work. Paul says that God has given us himself, verse 13, God has given us himself as a power supply to help do the work. How cool is that? How amazing is that? Just think about it for a second. God not only loves you, he does. God not only loves you and deals with your garbage, he does. He not only calls you and speaks life and purpose and passion and direction into you, he not only faithfully saved you, but also gave you himself as a seal and as a supply so you might actually live faithful in reply. It's incredible. God has given us everything we need to show the results of our salvation as long as we, as long as you and me, as long as we choose to do the work. So let me say that one more time. God has given you the ability to grow good fruit and to reveal the results of your salvation. God has given you everything you need as long as you choose to abide in the vine. Hmm. Totally amazing. God is so good. Amen. But okay, I, I, we know that. But okay, so, so what does that look like, right? What does it look like to live a life of faith with good fruit? What should that look like and how can we get there? Well, this is where Paul expands in verse 14. And, I, and as we hit this, I just want to encourage you to lay this passage over your own life as we go. Asking yourself, is this true of my life? Verse 14. Paul says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining bright, like bright lights in a world of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain, and that my work, 
his hard work was not useless. Verse 17. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. And I tell you what, as I was spending some time this past week reading over this passage, I was just, even even though the, the passage isn't exhaustive, it certainly is sobering, right? This expectation from Paul, it's certainly sobering and even more challenging as we consider what's necessary to show the results of our salvation, the fruit of our faith. And there's a lot in this passage. I encourage you to dig deeper in it, but for the sake of time, I just want to highlight three quick observations, reflections, and characteristics from the text that Paul says must be found in us as we are faithfully pursuing Jesus. So if you're taking notes, write these down. If you want your life to reflect the goodness of God, if you want your life to produce good fruit, three things. First, we must do everything. We must live clean. We must hold firm. One more time. Do everything. Live clean and hold firm. I'm going to make these quick. Paul, he first says, you need to do everything as you work hard to show the results of your salvation. You need to do everything obeying God with deep reverence and fear. This is verse 12. And then he says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing. After a year like 2020, this begs repeating one more time. Paul says, do everything without complaining and arguing. And I tell you what, again, as I was reading this, what a punch in the gut, right? I mean, just think about the last time you complained this morning. Think about the last time you argued with someone. How are you feeling? Feeling all right? Now, listen, for me, I, I don't actually argue that much, not to pat myself on the back, but I tell you what, I am confident that I complain all the time. When my coffee is taking too long, I get fired up. When my phone, which is already a miracle of modern technology, praise the Lord, when my phone's internet connection is just a bit too slow to post videos while hiking in the middle of the mountains, I just go like, what am I paying for? I know, I know, I'm a mess. I complain all the time. Like this past Sunday when we were, we were heading back to church after church at home to help kind of get some lights set up for our returned in-person services. Um, we stopped at McDonald's on the way to grab the kids some lunch. Don't you judge me. They love the Happy Meal toys. I love the fries. And so we're pulling off of Foothill into the parking lot when all of a sudden this minivan, I know, a minivan, cuts me off. And I'm sitting there, like half my car still on Foothill, half my car in the parking lot. And this guy is like, slowly turning around, and I'm just thinking, what is going on? Jesus, be with me. And what's worse, even after that, after that first minivan slowly crosses me, again, I'm halfway out of the parking lot, right? This other car follows suit, follows his lead, and I'm just sitting there like, what is happening? Jesus, bring me peace. Jesus, bring me peace. (sighs) Because complaining, friends, because complaining and arguing and bickering and fighting and whining 
whining. It's the norm of our world. It is. It's the norm of our world. And what, while it might not always seem like a big deal, like who is it hurting, right? The reality is it's just bad fruit. It's bad fruit. And it's not what comes from a life on the vine with Jesus. The good fruit of the Spirit of God, we see in Galatians, and it says that it's, that it's love. This is life on the vine with God. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How much of that was exhibited as my Subaru's hanging out in the foothill halfway out the parking lot, right? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is life on the vine with God, a tree and its fruit. And that means that there is no room for complaining. There is no room for arguing in revealing your salvation. There is no room for complaining when you don't get what you want. There's no room for arguing when you feel wronged. If it's not seen in Christ, it can't be seen in us. I hope you caught that. If it's not seen in Christ, it shouldn't be seen in us. Because the tree determines the fruit. Got it? Good. So first thing, do everything, obeying God like God would, without complaining so that no one can criticize your witness, the results of your salvation. Second, Paul continues by saying, live clean. He says we're to live clean. And this word clean essentially means pure, undefiled and without compromise. So what he's saying is that we are to commit our lives wholly, holistically to one holy root system. That we're commit our lives to one tree producing only one type of fruit. We can't be on the vine of Christ and still try to produce what the world expects. No, we need to live clean. We need to live clean. And again, what's so amazing about God, right, is that just like he has given us the power and the ability to grow the good fruit we could never produce on our own, Jesus said in John 16 uh, that, that he already took care of your cleansing, Yeah, we got to be clean, but Jesus says that he already took care of your cleansing. You're already clean because of the word he spoke over you. He made you clean. He purified your heart. He took your branch and put it into a better tree. And now all you need to do, all you need to do is grow where you're planted. Grow where you're planted. Jesus made you clean, so live clean. Jesus made you clean, so live clean, innocent lives as children of God shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. We, the church, we, God's people, we need to live clean. But the only way to do that, and this is number three, the only way to stay true to our confession with integrity is, Paul says, to hold firm. Hold firm, verse 16. Hold firmly to the word of of life, the same word that Jesus spoke over us in John 16 to make us clean, Paul says we must hold firmly to this word of life, which is the truth of God and the good news about Jesus. If we want to live clean, we need to embrace 
the word of life and allow the gospel to permeate and influence every part of our lives. We need the nutrients of the word of life to hit our roots so we can actually produce the good fruit of the spirit we were saved to show. Hmm, reminds me of yet another tree. I know, I know, I know. I'm really digging into this tree metaphor, whatever. So, so we have these three amazing trees in the backyard that are producing great fruit, right? We've got pomegranates and figs and, and limes, and, and they're growing healthy fruit because they get plenty of sun, they are planted in good soil, and the sprinklers in the backyard, they keep them fed. Cool. But in the front yard, months after we moved into the house, we noticed there was another tree. And it's actually an apple tree. And, and we never noticed the tree because it never produced healthy fruit. Why not? Three main reasons. And I, and I am not a gardener. I, I am not a, a tree professional. But I tell you what, this tree didn't produce the good fruit because, first of all, it didn't get enough sun. There's no sprinklers up front to feed it. And lastly, because, this is it, because the roots of this tree run right into a constricting wall of bushes. So the tree, which is still a tree, it produces fruit, but it's not like it could because the roots aren't getting what it needs. The roots aren't getting what it needs. And this is, man, this is exactly what happens to us sometimes, right? It's exactly what happens to us when a season gets hard or confusing or distracting. Our roots, they become starved. As we're distracted, our roots become starved of the word of life. So they start searching for substance somewhere else. They start searching for for nutrient, for meaning, for motivation in, in work and family and success and safety and pleasure and all sorts of things that always leave us wanting more. And as our roots start spreading to these other areas, our fruit starts changing. As our roots start spreading, our fruit starts changing. Where we were once compassionate and patient, all of a sudden we find ourselves complaining all the time and arguing over ridiculous things. And that... And I don't know where you're at, but I know that that's where some of us find ourselves today. We find ourselves just always annoyed, always arguing, especially after 2020. You know, where we once, we were once faithful and obedient to Christ and his way, but now we start making loopholes for what is true based on our feelings and circumstances, for what what parts of the way of Jesus were to follow and what parts are optional. And I know, I get it. 100%, I get it because I've been there and I know I'll be there again. But we were saved for so much more. We were saved for so much more. We were raised from death to life with Christ to show the world the results of our salvation. We were never welcomed into the family of God, you and me. We were never welcomed into the family of God to just fit in with the world 
or to live practical, reasonable, well-intentioned lives. No, we were made to shine, Paul says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. We were made to shine the light of a thousand suns, the light of Jesus Christ into the darkest shadows that need it most, not to just walk around the beach with a flashlight. Mm, You were saved to produce the most beautifully unique fruit the world has ever seen, ever seen with the power of God's spirit. You have everything you need, but the only way it can happen, the only way you can live faithful in response to God's faithfulness is if you hold firm to the vine. Hold firm to the vine. If you live clean and you work hard, you do everything in the name of Jesus because again, the fruit Mm, the fruit, it's not up to you. It's up to the tree, a tree and its fruit. What is up to you is, uh, is what tree you'll grow on. What is up to you is what vine your branch will be found on and what roots your life will be held on. That's up to you. So back to the question. Back to the question from the beginning I asked at the top. If you were really honest, you think back this morning, yesterday, this past week, this past year, this past decade, I don't know. If you were really honest, what what fruit would you say your life is growing? What fruit is your life growing? The fruit of the Spirit? Or more of the same old, same old? What fruit is your life growing? When the world looks at you, do they say, do they say, man, I can't believe how much you love. I can't believe how good you are at loving people. Tell me more about why you love so well. When the world looks at you, do they say, I can't believe how joyful you are or how peaceful you are, how patient you are. How did you get so patient? Tell me all about it. When the world observes your life, do they want to know more about Christ because of your kindness and your gentleness? Do they see the results of your salvation or do, they, or do you look so much like them that they can't see a difference? When the world looks at you, what do they see? Do they see the results of your salvation or do they see more of the same? Because listen, After this past year, man, the world needs some good news. We all do, but the world needs some good news more than ever. The world needs what we have to give them. The world needs what we have to give them. So now it's up to us to grow some good fruit. You and me, we must be a church. This isn't optional. Philippians chapter two. We must be a church that works hard doing everything in obedience to God to show the results of our salvation to the world. We must be a church that that lives clean, undivided lives, free from compromise. And we must be a church defined by, rooted in, and holding firm to the word of life that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the way that we have been called into. This is the way, this is life on the vine with Jesus. There is no other, a tree and its fruit. Let us follow, let us follow him. Let us follow him. Let's be a church that works hard. Let's be a church that lives clean, 
and holds firm to the good news that saved us. All right, well, as we close today, one more time from John 16, I just want to leave this with you as a reminder as you start this week and pray this over you even now, starting in verse 3. Jesus says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God has given you everything you need to grow good fruit. God has given you everything you need to live a life of faith in response to his faithfulness. God loves you so much and believes in you so much that he gave himself to you as the power supply to live this life right. So let's get to work. Let's work hard. Let's live clean. And let's hold firm to the good news that saved us. Pray with me. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. What a gift it is to be your people and be your church. We ask that even as we worship from home today, as we learn from home, as we as we are still settling into this new normal that we call life, God, we ask that you would just be with us, that you'd give us the courage to take real steps of faith today. God, that we'd be able to identify, maybe for the first time, that even though we're attached to a good tree, we're still growing some bad fruit. We're still trying to live life on another vine. And so, God, we ask that you would just prune us today, that you'd purify us today again, that you'd make us clean, that you'd open our eyes to all of the all the garbage that has to go so we might live and really produce the good fruit of the Spirit with our lives. Jesus, we're so grateful that you saved us and you called us, even more that you believe in us and that you have given us the power to live lives of purpose and significance. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Keep keep working on us. We need it. But God, humble us, work on us. We love you and we thank you. And it's in your name that we pray. And we all said, amen.